Hello, and welcome to the Strategica podcast from the Hoover Institution, analyzing the intersection of military history and contemporary national security concerns. You can find us online at hoover.org forward slash Strategica. I'm your host, Troy Sinek, and today we'll be examining the topic of the most recent issue of Strategica. What is the likely trajectory of Chinese-Japanese tensions and how will the United States be affected? And we are joined today by the author of one of the essays in this issue, Angelo Cotavilla, Professor Emeritus of International Relations at Boston University and a member of Hoover's Military History Working Group. Angelo, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. All right. So first things first, let's establish the the big picture. Um, Before we get to how it specifically affects the relationship with the Japanese, how would you describe for our audience the nature of Chinese ambition? The, The official line out of Washington tends towards a rather benign view of what Beijing is up to. Is that wishful thinking? It is entirely wishful thinking for two reasons. Number one, we don't really know what is in their minds. Number two, we have reason to believe that uh, those intentions, whatever they are, cannot be characterized as benign from our standpoint because for two reasons. One, uh, the traditional Chinese view toward toward uh, the, the, the world, and especially their neighborhood, is one of um, uh, assumed superiority, assumed suzerainty. Um, it is not for nothing that China's name for itself is Songguo, meaning central country. Uh, and uh, secondly, the Chinese political system is a uh, an, an oligarchy uh, which functions by intense competition among its its members. So it is a an inherently grasping. Uh, Country. Uh, this is not to say that its uh, that its objectives uh, its objective is world domination, but it is most certainly not a quiescent, benign um, nation of shopkeepers. That it is not. It seems clear, as you note in your piece, that China would like nothing more than to drive a wedge in the region between Japan and the United States. At this point, what are the factors that work in the Chinese favor there, and what are some of the obstacles that they're facing? Well, uh, the, uh, the main factor working in China's favor is that Japan uh, long ago earned a, a reputation for nastiness. Uh, virtually nobody likes Japan in, uh, in, the, in the Pacific region. Uh, Japan's behavior in World War II was um, was horrid by by anyone's uh, standards, and uh, the the racial animosities in the area, which predated World War II, have simply uh, were simply uh, stoked up by that. Uh, this is not to say that the Chinese are beloved, but it is easy enough for anyone to stir up anti-Japanese sentiments. Right. As, as an example, explain for our audience the dynamic with Korea. Because even though South Korea shares with the Japanese a, a decent relationship with the United States, the Chinese have, uh, in many respects, more to offer the Koreans than the Japanese, don't oh, they? Well, uh, much more. First of all, uh, let's stick with the subject of hatred for a while because it is most powerful. <laughs> uh, there, there is in Japan a, um, uh, a 
about a 100-foot by wide by 30-foot high mound, uh, which is filled with the ears and noses uh, cut off from Koreans in the uh, the early 17th century, uh, which until very recently was uh, was visited uh, as a kind of a, a shrine by the Japanese people. Uh, the Japanese uh, regard Koreans as as Untermenschen. And um, the Koreans are perfectly aware of it, and the Chinese play on that sentiment. Uh, uh, the news is filled with uh, occasionally with uh, accounts of uh, uh, of um, Korean remonstrances about the use of Korean women by the Japanese during World War II as 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 whores uh, for. Uh, Comfort women, they call them, uh, for its army. But that's a small thing. That's a small part of the uh, of Koreans' uh, racial resentment. And so the, the the Chinese play on that all the time, uh, quite successfully. It doesn't take much. Uh, secondly, the Korean, on the positive side, the Ch- the Chinese are really the only folks who can offer the Koreans, uh, South Koreans. Some kind of assure any kind of assurance of restraint uh, with regard to North Korea. Uh, North Korea is a uh, Chinese satellite. This is something that the U.S. government does not acknowledge, but it is certainly very true. And uh, uh, Chinese diplomacy works that fact uh, very, very well and, and, and constantly with regard to Japan. Look, you have problems with North Korea. We are the ones who can fix them, not the Americans. Eventually, we we could be the patrons. We and only we can be the patrons for Korean reunification. Uh, and uh, the price for that is simply to be nice with us. Is to uh, we are not asking you Koreans to uh, break your wonderful economic relations with the United States. We have wonderful economic relations with the United States, too. But strategically, you can align with us. You you have nothing to lose and everything to gain by aligning with us. Uh, These two messages, positive and negative, are very powerful with the Koreans. So let's explore some of the potential outcomes here. Your argument in the piece is that the Chinese want to marginalize Japanese influence in the region, but that they want to do so in a fashion that is sufficiently incremental that it basically doesn't stir the, the Japanese to action. Uh, well, that's what, right. Well, so what, what happens if they fail there? What, in your judgment, is likely to be the reaction in Tokyo if they become convinced that they're in a zero-sum game with China and that their interests in the region become imperiled with every increase in Chinese strength? Well, th- this, of course, is, is the great question, which is uh, undervalued. Um, by by Americans, uh, I'm just reviewing a book by uh, um, the the director of, um, of the strategic studies program at MIT, Barry Posen, uh, which uh, re- reflects the view of many uh, in, in the. Uh, the American establishment, that uh, we really ought to be encouraging the Japanese to take more and more uh, responsibility for their own defense. Well, uh, if the Japanese at a certain point decide to really take 
responsibility for their own defense. That is to say, if at a certain point they decide that, A, the Chinese threat is, uh, is, is real and great, and B, that the United States really, really cannot be counted upon, taking responsibility for their own defense vis-a-vis China, a country ten times its size, will certainly require the acquisition of nuclear weapons. And uh, at that point, really no one can predict what will happen except for one thing, that it will not be pleasant. The idea of a nuclear confrontation between Chinese, China and Japan uh, is, uh, is horrific, uh, considering the, the, the depth of the, uh, of the racial resentment on both sides. Uh, the United States really has uh, performed a, a, a great service both to Japan and to China, never mind to ourselves, uh, by really putting a lid on that historic um, rivalry. Uh, I am not a, um, uh, an advocate of American empire by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, uh, really keeping the lid on, on that particular powder keg, uh, if you will excuse the mixed metaphor, uh, <laughs> has been one of the great services uh, that the United States has performed for the world. What about the alternative scenario? Let's say that China China gets its way and gets to this kind of regional dominance without provoking the Japanese. What, what does that part of the world end up looking like, you think, if you end up with China firmly in the driver's seat? Well, then, of course, uh, we, we <laughs> Japan is right now really the main obstacle uh, to, to China's suzerainty over the entire Pacific Rim. Right. The United States would then be facing a, um, a hegemon on uh, East Asia. Uh, the frontier of the United States really would be back to Hawaii. The rest of, of, uh, of the Pacific Rim would, in fact, uh, uh, become a, uh, I wouldn't say uh, ruled by China, but certainly within the China's sphere of influence. Uh, this would be something quite unprecedented uh, for the United States, and really one of the things that historically the United States has, has, has sought to prevent. Um, we are an island nation, and uh, our historic interest has been to keep the Pacific Rim as well as the Atlantic Rim out of the hands of single powers. Uh, were China to, to become really Kuo, the center country for the Pacific Rim, we would have ourselves uh, uh, the situation that we have always tried to avoid. So what are the imperatives for American policymakers to, to avoid that? The Obama administration has expended a lot of energy on the public relations side anyway with what they call their, their pivot to Asia. Um, what do we have to do to manage the situation in that region in a way that's beneficial to our interests and beneficial to the region? Well, the main thing, uh, I think, would be to, uh, in general terms, to bring our pretenses, uh, to our capabilities uh, and our policies in line with our pretenses. If, in fact, we want to have a, a good relationship with China, which we should, we ought to be uh, to, to let China know very, very clearly what it is and what it is not that we will tolerate. 
uh, and what are we are willing to do to 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 hold on to the interests that we want to uh, that we want to hold on to what what military power will it take for us to convince Japan that it need not take care of itself uh, the first thing that I would suggest would be providing Japan with a serious missile defense, indeed providing ourselves with a serious defense against Chinese missiles. This, this, is, this is not provocative, uh, but, uh, but certainly it is uh, an essential defensive measure. Uh, again, uh, what are we willing to do uh, for, uh, for South Korea? Are we willing, really, to protect South Korea against the North's nuclear weapons? Are we willing to um, to help South Korea uh, with uh, with reunification? What are we willing to do about that? Can we compete with the Chinese for the allegiance uh, of the Koreans? Certainly, the kind of uh, uh, of um, help that we've been giving to to the North Koreans. Uh, combined with uh, with uh, really a uh, laissez-faire attitude toward uh, the North's uh, buildup of nuclear weapons, that is not helping. Uh, we really have to, to to say, look, if you st- stick with us, we can assure you of this, we can assure you of that, and here is the proof of our assurance. Here are, is the military power that will protect you. Uh, for us, simply for the U.S. government, simply to um, to offer blandishments uh, to uh, to the Koreans and to the Japanese in the face of well of growing military power and of uh, of, of, of racial um, carrots and inducements being offered by the Chinese, uh, that will not work. All right. My guest has been Angelo Cotavilla, Professor Emeritus of International Relations at Boston University and a member of Hoover's Military History Working Group. You can read his essay and those by other members of the group by visiting us online at hoover.org forward slash strategica. That's S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-K-A. Angelo, thanks for joining us. You're most welcome. For the Hoover Institution, I'm Troy Sinek. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Strategica, and I'm Victor Davis Hansen.